My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 118. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. I have been at war the last few days with our phone system. You know, that's an important pipeline for us to get customers. And if people can't get through to your telephone operator or to the departments within a car dealership, the service department, the parts department, the sales department, and a few others. If they can't get through, then sometimes they'll just hang up and call somebody else. Well, I have a feeling that's been happening for the last month or so because our previous phone system was through, uh, I'm not going to name it or the brand name, but it is a cell phone provider, and it didn't work very well. Matter of fact, it was sold to us as a great system for a car dealership, and it was virtually impossible to transfer calls the way a car dealership has to be able to. You know, when somebody calls in and says, yes, I'd like to speak to somebody in the service department, and you transfer that call to the service department, if they don't pick up immediately, where should that call go back to? Well, you have to decide it goes back to... I can go to the office, you know, so that they can answer the phone back to the telephone operator, maybe to a specific place in the dealership. Well, we would put these people on hold, and they were gone. I mean, they were there somewhere in the system, but we couldn't find them. So somebody would call in, ask to speak to the service department. She'd put them on hold, transfer to the service department. They'd pick up the line. And they'd be talking to him for just a minute. Then say, I've got to put you on hold for a second. Let me check on that. They'd put him on hold. And then the service advisor would come back to the phone to answer their question. They're gone. They're not there. Um, they're in, like I said, they're in the system somewhere, but nobody could find them. It wouldn't bounce it back to the telephone operator. I mean, it was a nightmare. And I apologize if you were one of those folks who called. We have it fixed now. We got an all-new telephone system. And it is designed specifically for car dealers. How do I know that? Well, it's because I called multiple car dealers, and I called a couple big dealer groups, and I said, what kind of phone system do you use? And they told me. So we made arrangements within, oh, it took about three weeks for them to come and install the new system, and it is wonderful. It works exactly like it's supposed to. So when somebody calls, you know, now if they don't get taken care of, it's a person's fault. It's not the phone system's fault. What I regret right now, though, we're going through this, you know, instead of having a live operator answer the phone, the system is answering the phone. It says, thank you for calling Gateway Ford, you know, and then you've got to press one for this, press. And I really don't like that. But we're going to experiment with it for a while, and I'm going to put my daughter's pretty voice on there, and we're going to see if that doesn't cause a you know a much more efficient transfer of calls and really provide better service to our customers. I mean, that's what any business has to do, right? You have to make it easy for the customer to navigate whatever you put in front of them. You know, if you're running a department store and you know that your fastest moving items are what people want the most, they need to be towards the front of the store, right? How come the grocery store doesn't do that with my milk? I have to walk all the way through the store, the far back corner, to get the milk. So I know what they're trying to do. They want me to buy some other stuff. But that's not what people want when they come to a car dealership. They want to get to the right person as quickly as possible 
get their questions answered accurately, and then move on you know, to better things. So hopefully that's going to be the case at, at my dealerships in Greenville, Tennessee, starting, well, starting a week ago. So we got these things installed, and I can actually be at, at uh, my house, and I can go into their app, and I can see every single extension in my dealership and whether uh, Tom is on the phone or Bob is on the phone or whatever the status of their phone call is. I can call any extension from my cell phone. Uh, people can reach me that way. But that's not how I want you to reach me. I want you to reach me by dialing 423-552-2020 for your automotive-related questions, and I'll do everything I can to help you out. Okay, what are we going to talk about today? I'm going to give you a little history lesson. A lot of people don't know what has happened to the Big Three. Do you remember when the Big Three were General Motors, the Chrysler Corporation, and Ford Motor Company. Those were the big dogs. But you know, they weren't always the big dogs. A lot of stuff happened in the early parts of the 20th century, where at one time there were well over a thousand different car companies. That's hard to believe, but there have been more, way more than a thousand different car companies who manufactured vehicles with either electric engines, yep, yeah, or electric motors and battery power, steam engines, or internal combustion engines, either diesel or uh, gasoline-powered. So, you know, there's been a lot of changes over the years to get down to the big three. So what happened to them in the long run? Well, one of them changed their name. You know, Chrysler Corporation has really struggled in my lifetime. Uh, in the uh, late 70s, they started running out of money, and they started doing all kinds of different things to try to survive. And, and Lee Iacocca, who was an employee of the Ford Motor Company, who ended up getting fired at the Ford Motor Company, got quickly hired by the uh, Chrysler Corporation to save them. And he created some new markets like the minivan and uh, Ram trucks and so many other things that he did. Or, you remember the K-Cars? All of those, the what was it, the Dodge Aries, the Plymouth Reliant, and I don't know if Chrysler had one or not, but these were cars that I was competing against, and it was hard because they were priced very competitively. I mean, for example, those K cars were competing against my, probably my Nova, or, or my, let's see, what else did I have, a Chevy Celebrity Citation, probably more the Chevy Citation. Wasn't that a winner? But the K car, they weren't really high quality cars, and and there wasn't anything fancy about them. But they were pretty reliable, and they they were cheap, and they sold well. And Lee Iacocca used that to save that company. Well, he ended up uh, getting fired by, by them eventually, or no, maybe he just retired. I don't remember exactly how that ended up working out for for old Lee Iacocca, the creator of the Mustang. I'll always give him or love him for that. But, uh, yeah, the Chrysler Corporation lost its way, and it got purchased by Mercedes-Benz or Daimler. So you remember when it was the uh, Chrysler-Daimler Corporation. Yeah, I don't think that was too good for, for Mercedes' image, that they were affiliated with a company like Chrysler. I think it hurt their image. But it really helped Chrysler in a lot of ways. You know, they were able to develop some 
winning platforms with the help of Mercedes, namely the Dodge Charger that is still sold today. It still rides on a, on a platform or a chassis that was uh, borrowed, stolen, given by Mercedes-Benz. And it also underpinned uh, the E-Class Mercedes. So there, was, there were some benefits there when they got together. But eventually that merger fell apart. As I say, it was called Daimler Chrysler at the time. Uh, and they just wanted some separation from Chrysler, and I think Chrysler wanted separation from them. So Chrysler was sold to a company called Cerebus or Cerebus Capital Management, C-E-R-B-E-R-U-S, and renamed Chrysler LLC in 2007. Well, not too long after that, around 2009, Chrysler ended up having to file for uh, bankruptcy, as did General Motors. And so, you know, you had these two major companies employing hundreds of thousands of people across this country that needed to be saved. And Chrysler was ended up being purchased out of bankruptcy by Fiat. Now, at that time, Fiat was a company, an Italian company, that owned some pretty famous brands, namely Ferrari, uh, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, Lancia. You may not have heard of any of those. But it wasn't very long after that that Fiat and Peugeot, decided to get together. Peugeot is a French manufacturer, and they formed a new company called Stellantis. I still don't understand where they came up with that, but it really doesn't matter. That is the name of the global corporation that owns Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Peugeot, Citroen, Lancia, Abarth, and Opel. And Opel was the well, I guess since 1929, I believe, is when they became a part of General Motors. They were the European version of General Motors. And over time, they were a very successful company, but they became unsuccessful. General Motors decided to sell them and did in 2017 to the uh, Peugeot Group, which is now Stellantis. So who are the big three now? Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, just so you know. Well, let's we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the other two of the big three. Okay, I am back. Well, let's talk about General Motors here for just a minute, the second of the big three, and the biggest of the big three for sure. You know, today they are limited to just four brands, uh, Buick, Cadillac, Chevrolet, and GMC, uh, some people may say, well, what about Hummer? Well, Hummer's back, but Hummer is a GMC product now, and it's all electric. So it's a mere drop in the ocean compared to what General Motors uh, used to be. There have been 43 different brands that have been under the General Motors name. 43. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights. You know, a Canadian brand, all, all of the Canadian brands were, of General Motors were called Acadians at one time. From 1962 to 1971, they, had, uh, they sold Chevrolet Chevy 2s and Chevelles, and they were sold through Canada by Pontiac and Buick dealers. How weird is that? Let's see what else. Uh, I can't pronounce some of the The Beaumont. Beaumont was originally a, a model name of an Acadian, but it became a standalone brand for the Canadian market in 1966, and it produced its own version of the Chevy Chevelle. 
Bedford is another brand from 1931 to 1991. Bedfords were sold in, let's see where, oh, yeah, Canada. Then you have Buick and Cadillac. Chevrolet started in 1911, just so you know. Cadillac started in 1902, and Buick way back in 1899. So it's the oldest General Motors product. Here's one. Remember Daewoo? D-A-E-W-O-O. They didn't last very long. Uh, they became a GM sub subsidiary in 2001 and was renamed GM Korea 10 years later from 2005. Uh, cars formerly sold in Europe as Daewoo's were renamed Chevrolet. You get up to the G's, Geo. You remember that? That was an experiment. So Geo was established to give General Motors an import brand. So they sold from 1989 to 1997. It didn't last very long. They rebadged Isuzu's, Suzuki's, and Toyota's and called them Geos. And then they continued to sell them for a little while. They said, okay, this name's got to go. They started calling them Chevrolet's until as late as 2004, and then they pulled the plug on all of those products. Now, GMC Corporation, or just GMC, I know it's confusing, was a basically a conglomeration of several different brands, um, two of which were called Rapid and Reliance. So they put these two brands together and called it GMC. They just couldn't think of a better name. So, you know, they're already called General Motors. Let's just confuse people more and call this General Motors Corporation and sell trucks. You know, GMC is pretty successful right now. I think they make a very attractive uh, full-size truck. I like the front end much better than the Chevrolet, but that's just a matter of opinion. Uh, in 1856, there was a company formed in Australia. They made saddles, and they also moved into manufacturing of, of wagons of all different types, and then they got into manufacturing car bodies, and GM bought them in, in uh, let's see, 1926 and stopped production in 2017. They were called Holden. And somewhere around 2015, Pontiac decided that they really liked this car that was being built in Australia called the Monaro. And so they said, well, let's, we'd like to have this. It's a two-door, uh, had a big uh, V8 engine in it. It was very fast. And they said, uh, we'd like to import that car and rename it the Pontiac GTO. And that's exactly what they did. And it was not much of a success either. So, you know, sometimes when you take a car that's successful in another country and try to bring it to the United States, it doesn't always translate. There are exceptions. The Mustang is one exception. It does very well uh, overseas. But there's uh, a lot more examples of cars that failed miserably after they were uh, imported and, and the names were changed, like the Mercury McCure or McCure, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but it was a, a car that was uh, six, very successful in Europe. But Ford decided, well, if it works there, let's bring it to the United States. Nope, didn't work here. Did not sell very well. So let's keep looking at uh, GM brands. 1992, Hummer was purchased, or the AM General Corporation was purchased by GM, and they just called it Hummer. And it was pretty successful for a while, but then the energy crisis hit, another energy crisis, and then the Great Recession hit, and then President Obama said, eh, let's not sell any more gas guzzlers. We're cutting out the Hummer brand. And they did because they were controlling the corporation during the, the big bailout around 2009. So they called the shots, and Hummer went away. They brought it back, but not in the same form. 
You ever heard of LaSalle? It was a very popular GM brand from 1927 to 1940. And it was um, basically a companion to the Cadillac. A lot of Cadillac dealers also sold LaSalle's, but it was, a, I guess, a poor man's Cadillac, I guess you could say. Let's see what else is interesting. Oakland. Oakland was the only GM brand to be outlived by its companion make. It was a successful brand in its own right. It was placed slightly above Chevrolet as far as the GM hierarchy was concerned, and, and it was joined by Pontiac in 1926, and Pontiac continued much longer than Oakland. Oakland did not survive beyond 1931. Now, Oldsmobile had a big run. Ransom E. Olds created uh, Oldsmobile, and it was one of the longest surviving of all GM brands. It lasted from 1897 to 2004. Pontiac was another brand that just didn't make it through the Great Recession. It lasted from 1926 to 2010. Saab was a Swedish company that was purchased by General Motors. Uh, and let's see, no, they didn't buy the whole thing. They just bought controlling interest in it in 1989. And then they bought the rest of it uh, several years later, 2000, but they eventually folded under new ownership. Why? Because they tried to turn Saab into another version of General Motors. Basically, the best-selling Saab was also a Chevy Malibu. Uh, the Europeans didn't like it, and Americans didn't either. So Saab, went, Saab is still in existence. They just don't build cars anymore, and General Motors has nothing to do with them. A few other notable brands. Saturn, remember that? Started in 85 and died in 2010. Uh, Vauxhall was a British company, and it still exists. It's just not under under the control of General Motors anymore. Let's see. If, remember Yellow Cab? Yellow Cab was actually an auto manufacturing company founded in 1920 by a guy named John Hertz. I wonder if he founded the Hertz Corporation. Probably did. He started the Yellow Cab Company in 1907, but GM took a controlling interest in 25 and then bought the whole business in 43 and absorbed it into General Motors Corporation, the truck company. So that's kind of a brief history of all the different brands in General Motors. I'll take my last break, and we'll talk about Ford. Okay, let's talk about the Ford Motor Company, the third of the big three. Yeah, Ford is doing pretty good right now. Uh, of course, all the automakers are. That's why the unions are coming after them so hard, because uh, they want raises, because General Motors and Ford and even Stellantis have been making big money, and the... Um, the unions want a piece of it. But Ford has been a lot less aggressive as far as buying other companies. They had a CEO for a while named Jack Nasser, Jacques Nasser, I believe. Anyway, he wanted to expand the portfolio, and he was always enamored with some British brands and the Swedes as well. He liked the quality of their vehicles and the prestige. So he bought Aston Martin. Mazda, which is a Japanese brand, Volvo, Land Rover, and Jaguar. And um, all of them belong to the Ford Motor Company under the name of the Premier Automotive Group, PAG. Uh, Jacques was not real popular with the automotive press. They thought that he should concentrate on making Ford better. I remember when Alan Mulally came into the Ford Motor Company to save it, from people like Jack Nasser, and even from Bill Ford. 
when he drove into the parking garage underneath the Ford World Headquarters there in Dearborn, he was amazed that he didn't see a single Ford or Lincoln product parked in the uh, parking garage. They're all a bunch of uh, Jaguars and Range Rovers and Aston Martins and cars like that. They had abandoned their bread and butter. And the, one of the first things that Alan Mulally did is said, okay, we're selling all of these companies. We need to get rid of them. We need to make our living selling Fords and Mercury's at the time and Lincoln's. And so that's what he did. And he turned the company around. And, of course, Ford was the only company of the big three that did not have to file bankruptcy and did not have to get the government to bail them out. But it wasn't because the people at Ford were so smart. It was because Alan Mulally was so smart. And he was an outsider. He actually came from the Boeing Corporation. He was disappointed that he had not received the offer to become the CEO of Boeing, which was a company he dearly loved and and had been an engineer there for many, many years and been in management. So some key players at the Ford Motor Company found out about Alan Mulally and sent some folks out there to interview him, some really uh, the top-notch people at the Ford Motor Company, and then finally uh, was able to engineer uh, an offer that lured him to the Ford Motor Company, and the rest is history. I became a Ford dealer in 2005, and that's about the same time he was hired. And I remember they called all Ford dealers to come to uh, Detroit and to meet at Ford Field, which is where the Detroit Lions play, and the team is owned by the uh, Ford family. And he spoke. And he got up on stage, and he had just an old country kind of a disposition and all shucks, you know, kind of a a way of talking to folks. And it appealed so much to the dealer body. I remember coming back from that meeting so fired up about this guy and hoping that he could do what needed to be done for Ford. And it was because of his foresight in the coming crisis that that Ford Motor Company did not have to take any bailout money and was able to survive on their own. So very well with the help of the unions, too, because a lot of people made sacrifices to make that happen. But Ford survived it on their own. Well, thanks for listening to this edition. I hope I enlightened you a little bit about the history of the Big Three. And we'll be back with another edition of My Car Guru tomorrow.